You're listening to Pixels in Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 5 Jamie hadn't convinced Dex that the explosion was related to the rest of it, but he couldn't ignore the possibility. It was hanging out in the back of his mind while he tried to get on with the rest of his work. The next morning, there was nothing on the feeds to indicate that there was a continuing threat. I'll be fine, Annabelle protested. How exactly is staying here cooped up in the apartment instead of going into work going to make me feel safer from a mysterious threat that might not exist anyway? You have a point, Dex conceded. Annabelle chuckled and kissed him on the cheek. I know I was rattled yesterday, but the adrenaline hangover's all worn off now. In the absence of any new information, it's back to normal. Back to normal, Dex echoed, but he couldn't quite silence the niggling thought that something organized and dangerous was brewing. Dex linked into M-City at the public portal in Chandler's. He walked the few blocks to the Maynard Arms, where his office was instantiated. He scanned the neighborhood as he walked, not looking for anything in particular, just letting it all wash over him. He trusted his subconscious pattern recognition mind to let him know if something was off. He got to the door of the low walk-up, its anachronistic style something that Dex had never seen in the physical world. He knew it was a fairly good historical reproduction from previous centuries, but as far as he knew, there were none of those old buildings left. Progress had rendered them obsolete, left only to be remembered in images or vids, or recreated in M-City. He trudged up the stairs, enjoying the details. The cracks in the plaster and the grain in the wooden banister. He was so focused on the building that he nearly didn't notice that there was an unusual shadow cast on the frosted glass of his office door. He did notice, though, so was only slightly surprised to see Zahara Zhang sitting in his chair. Dex, she said as he opened the door, is everything all right in your neck of the woods? Fine, Zizu, thanks for asking. There isn't a lot of information yet, and we only see the highlights in our squad's boards. She seemed only to notice then that she was still in his chair, and stood. But Dex waved her back down and sat in the visitor's chair across the desk. Nothing concrete yet, Dex said. It still looks like it might just be an accident, even with everything else. Zhang nodded. I know what you're talking about. I took a look beyond the highlights, she admitted, and it's happening to you, too. Dex was confused momentarily, then the penny dropped. You've been hit with the organized stuff. Yeah, I thought it was local to our squad. Honestly, I'd chalked it up to one particular bar manager who goes out of her way to piss people off. Her place was the source of half a dozen different petty incidents. It was easy to assume that she was the common link. Zhang shook her head. I wonder how much useful time we wasted because I made that assumption. Dex knew that feeling, and also knew it was pointless to dwell on past mistakes. Any leads? Zhang shook her head. It's the same story as you have here. None of the usual suspects have anything to do with it. The M.O.s are all across the board, but it's obviously targeted. It's like we're fighting shadows. It's almost like what went down in M-City a few years back. Dex was just thinking out loud, but the look on Zahara Zhang's face made him listen to what he'd just said. What if it is, she asked. Then what? It was the kind of conversation that went down easier over a drink, so Dex and Zhang linked over to Monty's and found a quiet table in the back. 
Montes was the local for Zhang's squad members, so she tended not to frequent the establishment. She always said that folks need a place to get away from their bosses. But it was the middle of the night in America, so it was unlikely that they would run into anyone from the old team. Surely you didn't come all the way in here to check that I was okay. Dex blew a plume of simulated smoke up into the dark rafters of the bar. Zhang shook her head. I was online anyway, and your name popped up at shift start. I figured, why not stop by? Old-fashioned style. I thought that would be up your street. Dex laughed. His anachronistic tastes were well known. The smile faded from his lips as he said, I'm sorry I don't have anything for you on your mystery inheritance. To be honest, I haven't even started. I didn't expect you would have, Zhang said. I wanted to let you know that I've had another message from the legal team. That's what I was doing in M-City, checking out my new property. And? She shrugged. And it's nothing to write home about. I mean, it's worth a fortune from my cop salary perspective, and it's a perfectly functional data block. My, uh, tenants all seem completely legitimate. The only remarkable thing about it is that it's mine. Dex nodded. Did you find any hints as to why it is yours? Like what? She didn't say anything in the will, Zhang said. Sure, Dex said. But look at what she gave you. Zhang looked confused. It's res space. It's literally a communications medium that's inherently locked down to the owner. If she'd wanted to leave you a message, she could have put it in the disk block itself. Zhang's avatar froze for a moment. I don't know if you're brilliant or I'm an idiot, she said. Sir? If I told you that I never ran a complete scan of the disk block, would you laugh? No, Duck said. But I would ask why not. Well, to be honest, I didn't really want to do anything that might come back to bite me if it transpired that the block wasn't legally Nightingale's to give. Dex nodded. Fair enough. But everything seems to be on the up and up. Zhang nodded. Well then, maybe we should take a look and see if you've got anything hidden in there. Zhang had access to every part of the block she owned, but she didn't want to go poking through the tenanted areas. If there is a message for me in here, I can't imagine that Nightingale would have left it somewhere a tenant would find it. Dex agreed and poured over the schematic Zhang brought up. The block was nearly fully leased, with one large res space free. I did a walkthrough earlier, Zhang said, but I didn't see anything. Okay, is there anywhere else that might be a good place for leaving a message to the new ownership? Some kind of equivalent of a maintenance room? They studied the schematic, and Zhang pointed at a small area accessed off a hidden door. They linked over to a very small space that resembled a broom closet with some files and other documents in tight shelves. Oh, how clever, Zhang said, looking through the papers. You can use these papers to set up tenancy and... She pulled out an interactive blueprint. This looks like it lets you re-res the space. This is great, it's basically a visual representation of the admin interface. Dix looked around at the shelves of documents and cleaning things. What's this? He held up a sealed envelope that felt like there was a hard, bulky item inside. Let's find out. Zhang tore open the envelope, and an old-fashioned-looking device with a button fell out. She glanced at Dex, who grinned back. She pressed the button. A small, hollow image appeared in front of them. A generic avatar, female, with dark brown skin and a thoroughly nondescript face. It probably bore no resemblance to any actual human being on the planet, but Dex was pretty sure it was meant to be Arena Nightingale. What a quaint way to leave a note, Zhang said as they waited for the Avatar to deliver its message. It took longer to get going than seemed reasonable, and when it became animated, Dex's hope for a quick solution disappeared. 
The figure emitted a shrill noise that sounded like it had once been synthesized human speech, but now was barely tolerable babble. The body jerked and convulsed, the sound and visuals completely unsynchronized. Are there any controls on that thing? Dex asked as Zhang handled the small device. No, just this button. She pushed it, and the keening sound ended as the hollow abruptly disappeared. She hit it again, and the creepy broken file began to play from the beginning. Ugh, turn that thing off. She did, and chucked the device back into the envelope. Well, that's annoying, she said. A dead end. Damn it. Dex should have known it wouldn't be this easy, but he'd let himself get excited about an easy answer for once. Should have known better. So what are you going to do with it? he asked after they'd linked back over to Monty's. Nothing for the moment. It's not completely leased out, but there are several businesses and a couple of private instantiations hosted there. It's a good income. Like, quit your day job level good. Would you? Dex asked after a minute. Zhang shook her head. I don't think so, anyway. It still doesn't seem real enough to make that kind of decision. Even now, I'm about 80% confident you'll turn up something that makes it all go away. I mean, since when do people like us actually own property? It's ridiculous. Maybe, Dex said. Or maybe it's the start of things changing around here. Zhang laughed and downed the last of her cocktail. Trust you to see the seeds of revolution in everything. Dex started ticking points off on his fingers. First, there's an international rash of organized petty crime that might be the prelude to some kind of massive turf war. Next, something that might be a bomb goes off. You think it's really all that strange to wonder if it's all connected? If there's something even bigger setting all this in motion? No, I guess not, Zhang said, but unlike you, I'm not deathly allergic to coincidences. They do happen, Dex, like it or not. And some of this, at least, is almost certainly coincidence. Dex snorted. Your opinion is duly noted, Captain. Oh, Dex, Zhang said, her avatar's eyes sparkling with laughter. Don't ever change. They clinked their glasses together and sipped in silence for a moment. I have, though, Dex said quietly. A lot. I know. And I'm happy for you. Thanks, Captain, Dex said. I'm happy, too. After Zhang left, Dex linked back into his office. His feeds were all full of syndicated information from other squads. An industrial accident in Samarico was dominating the news. Four people had been injured when scaffolding had failed at a Vertisales construction site. The chatter was trying to link it to the Nice explosion, but there was no real evidence to suggest a connection. The only similarities were the timing and how unusual both incidents were. Dex didn't like it. Didn't like anything that smacked of a coincidence. But he also didn't like the easy way people were drawing connections with no evidence. Making assumptions out of fear was no way to investigate anything. It was no way to live. He knew he couldn't do anything about it, so tried to file it all away in a back compartment of his mind. He waded through the feeds to see if there was anything new in M-City, anything specifically for his squad to do, but it was quiet. Too quiet, he said aloud to his empty office, then laughed at his own cliché. Right. Time to make the donuts. He pulled open the file on Zahara Zhang's mysterious benefactor and went through it all again. Irina Nightingale had owned a dozen data blocks in M-City, which meant that she had controlled as much res space as the network arm of one of the smaller firms. In the past few years, privately owned disk space was becoming more common, but the bulk of M-City still ran on blocks supplied by the firms. Networking was one of the few areas where the firms collaborated, 
but hosting space was a product like any other. Nightingale's holdings were just small enough to slide under the notice of the competing firms. She'd known her business. Dex flipped through the simulated papers to see if there was any indication who had been bequeathed the other blocks. A copy of the relevant part of Nightingale's will had been included, but the section that referenced Jang only covered three of the other blocks. And, of course, any identifying information about the other beneficiaries had been obfuscated. But details weren't necessarily the only way to get information. The three other bequests that had been included in the file given to Zhang indicated that they were exactly the same as hers, a single data block to a single individual. It was an assumption, but Dex guessed that the nine other data blocks would likely follow the same pattern, which meant that there were eleven other people out there who had just come into a windfall. And if he was lucky, that might make a traceable pattern. Dex had no way of knowing who the other beneficiaries were. For all he knew, Zhang was the only one who didn't know Nightingale. She might be the only one who wasn't already a res space mogul. But assuming that the other beneficiaries were equally ordinary, Dex figured that out of twelve people, there had to be someone who was desperate for cash. Selling a whole block of disk space would be enough to let an average person quit their job, get private accommodation, and live comfortably for quite some time. That had to be appealing. He didn't know much about the disk space business, but you could learn almost anything on the nets. And with the special backdoor access he had thanks to his squad work, anything that wasn't locked down by double crypto was available with a little digging. Dex sharpened his metaphorical shovel. Dex had nearly bored himself to death reading quarterly reports and the infinitely worse industry news magazine puff pieces on who was buying what. But eventually he stumbled upon a corporate blogger who kept a running tally of M-City property sales. It was brain-numbingly dull stuff, but exactly the mother load Dex was hoping for. He scraped the feed and downloaded the data to his personal system. He'd get a script to look for anomalies, trying to identify anyone who might be one of the beneficiaries. He wondered if there might even be a way to use this data to identify Arena Nightingale as well. The legal papers Zhang had given him were sparse on useful details. There was the required affidavit from the legal team that Nightingale was the rightful owner of the goods being transferred and had the legal ability to make the bequest, but other than those assurances that it was all above board, Nightingale could be anyone. The name could even be a pseudo or a multi. Dex wondered if the real arena Nightingale was even dead. He couldn't come up with a compelling reason that someone would create a fake persona, amass a small fortune, then kill off the persona and give away their estate, but it was theoretically possible and he'd learned over the course of his time as an investigator that if a thing was possible, someone would probably try it out sometime. He was puzzling over the seemingly endless options when the phone on his virtual desk rang. Dex was still paging through feeds online, so he didn't bother losing focus from his onboard system to pick up the telephone handset. He just gave the thought command to his system, saw that it was Annabelle pinging him, and opened up a subvocal channel. Hi kiddo, what's up? I was just wondering the same thing. Dex was puzzled for a moment, but she explained. I've been home for an hour, and you're still hiding out in the closet. Surely I haven't been rubbing off on you that much. Dex laughed and linked out of M-City. He found himself in his home office with a handful of food brick wrappers and an empty bottle of water. I'll be out in a sec. He stood and caught a whiff of himself. You might want to clear a path between me and the lab, though. I've been in here a while. You are such a sweet talker, you. Dex could hear Annabelle's laughter through the closet door and in the small speaker implanted in his jaw. 
It was a funny sensation, but he loved it. You've been listening to Pixels and Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.